This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Our reader today is Gillian Connolly. Uh, Gillian is, um, I was thinking about uh, lines of Robert Duncan's in one poem of his, he says, often I am permitted to return to a meadow and goes on and talk about entry into place where poetry can occur. It's a made place. One of the poets that I, who I just pick up and read to get my head in the place where poetry is, is Gillian. She's uh, the author of Some Gangster Pain, Tall Strangers, Beckon, book, I think, in which she cut loose in. The gorgeous book with the gorgeous title, Lovers in the Used World. Don't you wish you could have that one back? Uh, <laughs> Profane Halo, just thinking about uh, the holy, sanctity. Uh, the Plot Genie, a new book which we have here, Peace, and also new, uh, Thousand Times Broken, which is her translation of three books by the French poet Henri Michaud, who I think of as the most singular and original of the generation of French surrealist poets. Some of these have not been translated before. It's a treasure to have this book. Um, Gillian has um, uh, profane, endlessly inventive Texas postmodernist with a French accent. <laughs> um, let me read you something she says about her poetry. The writers and painters and other artists I admire most are the ones who were working artists all their lives, who reserved the right to change at any moment and did, who were most attracted to their art because of the kind of boundless procreative state of being that art demands. Um, she also says, I do have many ideas about poetry that have been my steadfast, though mercurial companions. I look to poetry to fill me with the transitional, with a kind of counter logic to take me beyond my own habits of thought and perception, to challenge the obvious or the apparent, to multiply meaning, to take me beyond whatever it is I may think that I am writing or thinking. Gives you a taste of what... Um, happens with her. I picked up something at random to read, and this will give you a sense of how that works or worked at one stage in her writing. After the shutter releases, I want you in the plural, in the snake carriage, in the glacier room, in the closet full of guitars and stomped hay. You get the idea? It's really something. Welcome, Gillian Connolly. Thank you, Bob. Can everyone hear me? It's great to be here. I'm really thrilled to be in this room with everyone sitting in such comfortable-looking chairs. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from three different things. Uh, the first the, from the Michaud translation, and then I'll read from my new book, Peace, uh, with Omnidon. And uh, I would like to read some new work, too, so it, I'm going to try to do a lot of things at once, not simultaneously. <laughs> um, the, the Michaud translations, they're... 
these are, are books that have not been brought into English before. They were written between 1956 and 1959. Um, they, as many of you probably know about Michaud, he was simultaneously um, a terrific artist and writer and had those concurrent activities going on at the same time um, throughout the 60 years of his creative life. Um, and his visual art is almost eclipses his writing career. It's, his visual art is collected in the Guggenheim and at the um, Museum of Modern Art in Paris and in lots of individual collections. He p published over 30 books of uh, poetry, prose, travel logs, um, essays, and it's in these three books where you see the visual. Can you? Can everybody hear me pretty well? Where, um, you see the visual and the verbal come together in ways that you don't see anywhere else in his entire oeuvre. They're they're all. They were all three of these books are considered. They were written during his mescaline period. And so I'm going to read the most mescaline of the mescaline of them since it's, as I understand, it's the last week of classes for everyone, and I thought it might be a good idea. Um, let's see, there were other things I wanted to say about him. Oh, about this particular book. I can show you there are, um, there are 14 drawings that precede the book, and there are these seismographic, spinal-like drawings. There are 14 of them. And then the poem, the title poem of the book, um, is written also in that spine-like shape. And it's an 11-page poem. It's a gorgeous poem. I can't read the whole thing or we won't have time for anything else. So I'm, I'm going to give you a kind of uh, redacted sort of reading of it. And I'm going to read, uh, read it fast and loud because I think that's how uh, it should be read. Um, Okay, and it's Pé de la Peace in the Breaking. Space coughed up on me, and then I no longer exist, and the skies roll their eyes, the eyes that say nothing and don't know much, from a thousand crushings crushed, extended to infinity, infinite all the same, set to infinity, native land that offers, that doesn't use my two hands, but grinds up a thousand hands that I recognize yet do not know. To the swarm I return, thousands of swallows' wings tremble across my life. I receive the waves that bring indifference, impure and precarious. The small life withdraws from the life pushed by ghosts against me. Furrow, the split form of an immense being, accompanies me and is my sister. I listen to the thousands of leaves, open petals, petals without an end, perfumed with the perfume of the unsayable, the flower of the perpetual, fountains, the pulse of the window awakens the luminous pulse of the break of day, dazzling, dazzling, shot in the head, silent fire of photons, white lightning, prolonged lightning, endless lightning, chills, immense environs, gusts, violet gusts, gusts against the bird. In a high space under my open forehead, suddenly I see shame, oh, that lasciviousness in the colors. 
optical creasings of the perverse caress of scintillation at every moment spat on by macular sights. To have lived is ignoble, trampled by this whole crowd, nothing but crowds, crowd that repulses the angel. All that goes on in the tetanized soul, monstrously, the exhausted being, but a genitor, all the more a genitor, a genitor without knowing it, the twist of lines, sign of vices. I know now, I know the line that perverts, that drags you along, and the Baroque. I know, however the space and my space that itches, let's continuously move and bubble. White vermin with overly fine embroidery that runs everywhere and gets nowhere, too fine, too fine, and that stretches me and undermines me, frays me, space that madly horripilates me in lace, riddles me, plucks out my mind, crowd, crazed, crook back crowd, chills translated into chiseled palaces with columns that are too slender, too slender, brilliance through failure, ornaments through tickling, stalactites through sliding. In fact, because of the powder I have eaten, all those creases have come out, those creases and all that gleams. So that's only a part of the poem that goes on for quite a while. That there's one line I didn't get to read that I'm just going to read to you completely separately because I love this line. He writes, in the region of the primordial, the narrator shuts up. <laughs> That's really wonderful. <laughs> okay, so now I'll move along to, um, you can just pretend you went through a giant car wash. Um, and I'll read uh, from Peace. Uh, one of the the impetuses behind the book is I um, realized that I work with um, I'm a professor and I teach um, 20 to 30 year olds and I realized that I had been staring into the faces of people that had experienced nothing but nonstop war um, for most of their lives, whereas my generation um, there was about 10 years of we had the Cold War, but there was about 10 years of, of, a, of the illusion of peace, maybe. And my parents' generation, you get about 20 years between World War One and World War Two. So that's part of the, um, the inquiry of the book. It, no conclusions get made. It's, it's not a call to action, but it's some of the thought behind it. Um, the first poem I'll read is called An O, a Sky, a Fabric, an Undertow. And the uh, first line is the same as the title. An O, a Sky, a Fabric, an Undertow, a Blanket Laid Upon the Grass, all the mixed faces looking out or looking in, the great paintings in yard sales and museums, abstract or representational, oils, acrylics, ink. In the poem, the evening is spread out like a media to let the windbag out of, to neutralize our eternal footman who is presidentially nimble and wears a big gold middle ring to wrap us on the head with when the sky is a slow-moving sea life, a poker tell, the solitary night finches nested deep, 
dead asleep in urban bamboo's tall corridors, no longer a president, only an invisible, indivisible male muse, all oscuro, dark substance, molecularly swarming in fields, in cities, like a cloud rising from sidewalks to make individual appearances, so shaded, so shrouded in oil, Whistler could have done him. Sometimes appearing in well-cut overcoat or next to a tall case clock to say, look, this was the deal made a long time ago. Can you give me a ride to the vacated cities with the most hospitable ports? A couple of lonely men had plans that got shoved this way for a building we could aspire to enter. I donated, then got distracted for a building we could enter. Perhaps we shouldn't aspire, I mean, but it is good to build it now as then. I am entering the poem now, not just to notice the pronoun I, but how casually the no longer a president has used it. The sky is a sea we all committed before sinking into the most hospitable port where dust plays dark before flying invisibly into undeadly messengers done up as citizens. So it's all substance to make our children's lives better than now. A situation I would take as conduit, as altar, our groceries. There is a lot of room for metaphysics in this country. I call waiting the GPS navigational finding device, enhanced search, the overly Google mapped, severe lack of frontier in the world, so lots of people have begun exploring the sewers, recording sounds of manhole covers as cars roll over them. Only 12 feet down, it feels like 100, and there are rubber boots called waders, but they fill up quickly and are discarded. The idea is to tramp what all gets transformed back into Earth's core. I would like to take some of that infant stardust that has fallen on your head. Why can't I be shrouded in it, if only undercurrent? I used to say my sister sold time on the radio because that's what she did, but then television-leveled soundscape, the pleas of the palm tree rustle in the gelatin print, internet cresting event, manual or mental, a loose sally of the mind, all of it suggesting streams of attenuated speeches by absent friends who said, time, we're no more living in a landscape beyond end of the river valley of that particular program. Now, time says, it will save a working copy of the image with a slightly different name. My sister and I continue to run up and down the stairs. Now I will give her a feminine ending or an infant star fabric to unfurl. The lonely men were right to want to fold their flags back into a triangle when someone died. We could unfold and try once more to open a language in which we do not do most of the killing. A drop-in date for the ingrievable. Some will always refuse this country to come forward. We could all take off our skulls and stare into them, ecstatic in the contours, rank waterfalls, gray, green, opal stones, the alert 
pianist key phrases of the Arcadians, Indo-European root rot, doo-wop, the dead recircling rocky crags where recline the born are birthing wet with their last or first words. We could take our fallen off temperate fur and begin to recite a Greek story, a groan, now. See how fast now can go. To what does it matter? World to come. Word to hold in the mouth and swallow. Untapped. What does it mean if there is no way to say it, if you haven't heard it before? So we are all writing, 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 and people say there are too many books, though it seems to be reading that refuses to die. This is the good part, the part looking at the part. Can you tell if this is the good part? You can tell if this is the good part, if it is the part looking back at you, not wanting to see someone else airbrushed all over you. It is the feeling of being embodied by the person you love or are sweet on, enchanted by. Not that they feel you, but that you are them. They've come to live inside you. You look like them. You are so them, you see through them, and imagine they are looking at you, being them. So, where are you? I am still beautiful. Okay. Thank you. I'll read a couple of, there's a sequence of poems in the book that are all titled piece, and they're short. And they're kind of scattered throughout, so I'll read a couple of those. Um, the first one, peace. It fell of noon, weather-like, as in a poem, the sudden action of a single word. You know people, once you tell them something, they start talking. And these are all titled peace, but I'm not going to say that because it sounds weird. Smells of sweat deep in sportful fields, eyes opened and were thrilled or soothed and sustained. We had won. Cars passed along streets in bright difference or decay. In argument context shivers the trigger words. Before munitions, oil extracted from the cotton makes the town smell sweet. No corpus, only bodies eidolon. Marijuana-scented hush of the glove compartment. In your device, a person spies the bridge in flames, then flees. So old school, the photo in its bath. Contrary to history, to war's punctuations, the almost dripping popsicle held from the body on the heat-buckled sidewalk. Earth's involuntary memory to descend and ascend. The round, the blue, to begin all over again. Okay. Um, the next poem... is I, I wanted to write a poem about Gandhi, and I did a whole lot of research and decided that I couldn't write a poem about Gandhi. And then I read some um, 
pretty un-Gandhi-like things about Gandhi and thought, oh, I could do that. So the, the, the poem turned in, the title of it is Trying to Write a Poem About Gandhi. And it's in three parts. The future leaves roses on the bed for the long stretch of the waker at the window left to pull the day around. History props up and swarms a lot of time. Wonder will he walk back. Should we still run to keep up with him? Fingers quick to thread the spinning wheel. A dizziness in the face of a social machine. Silver infinitesimal motes shine, lift, and hover cloud. I shake out the dryer's lint drawer into garage air. Satyagraha. No power over the soul. The body suffers. Two. A silver pocket watch pinned to a loincloth. Better to hand wash. In past and in future, postmodernism's gone all artisan. Moat swirling up into stale garage air. Open door to let it drift out, spread into wisteria's tresses. Ahimsa, a matter not of the intellect, but of the heart. Three. Beloved figures die, then stop and loop to pixelate. A history sweeps and fells the picture field. In uppermost loamy branches of the giant oak sit Thoreau, Tolstoy, Ruskin, Emerson, and Carlyle, shining down their texts. Unorthodox social moralists of the 19th century still trying to freeze hell. Many leafy, wandering past participles in my neighborhood alone. Also, one assault rifle, a shotgun, two Glock pistols, one tactical armored vest, how do I know this, several gas masks, one child's ballistic leggings, ballistic helmet, one known pedophile. Best to try not to wish anyone dead, think John Berriman. I woke up, and I had not murdered anyone. Before I turn back to the dryer, thinking why think or try to be like Marx, who said at the end of his life, I am not a Marxist. That's my girl's lost blue sweater hung on the fence post. Best to think of even nuisances in your inbox as pilgrims on earth, immortal spirits on probation. Four. How to make of one's garden a Tolstoy farm and be chief magistrate, prime minister, main teacher, chief baker, chief sanitary inspector of a modest magnetic field produced by electric currents in Earth's outer core, on Earth's crust primarily quartz, silicon dioxide, and other silicates like feldspar. One too bright day, here comes Manu and Abha. Manu, Grand niece and Abha, wife of grand nephew, Gandhi's girls and walking sticks, his hands on their shoulders as he walked everywhere with them toward the end. Poverty easy, but chastity eludes and means funny sleeping arrangements. Younger and younger naked girls to sleep beside to maintain chastity. Brahmacharya. Elimination of all desire in the face of temptation. 
Except the body, you pussy. Picture field says, dropping down. Great thinkers are scheming demotic despots. It's a thin line to undo, and silly to be an apologist for a pacifist. Dale Carnegie, friend. Madame Blavatsky, friend. Why think God doesn't like pussies, cocks, girls, Gandhis altogether? Well, you'd have to ask the girls. And later, it's a sub-rosa geological planet with shifting hot mantles of tectonics. Someone should tell Einstein, even though it's too late, who said, future generations will hardly grasp that such a man as this walked upon the earth. Palm fronds for shade. Basil, peppers, early tomatoes here. Strawberries under chicken wire to frustrate deer. In the garden, moats and mites, all waxes and wanes in shadows, leafy, deep-sea ocularity. The future drags and drifts and lifts traces of argon, carbon dioxide and water, sun's majestic past and impending life. You cannot hope to wake anyone who isn't fully asleep, he said. You cannot wake those who are pretending sleep. Okay. Okay, and now I would like to read uh, two new poems, the first of which is called The Long Marriage. Don't let the title frighten you. (laughs) If it is true that I, you, don't exist... But we are in it for the eternity. For the once in the pink-orange blazing dawn, I put on your black underwear. Doing there, in my drawer, stunned, pleased at the hip fit, years to a bus you jumped out of in your duct-taped boots, there was snow. You were so happy to be coming to see me, I saw you from the window's vectored frost, a brown feathery hen here to roost, though you were the male. Now the white birch drifts a thousand moats back into the house to eat off our dust and fly. We sire and winch, harmony and ash, until conversation, consumption, interrogation, and the small back of the sweet talk become so paradisical, primitive, warped, I fall into the lace of your gutter. Pretty nice there. And we have to wire prose into the talk to get the poem, to get the rope that runs long and free out the cave. Mastodon-like to crawl on all fours to birth some intelligibles. Got a grease fire in the kitchen for a long time coming. Couples forming a rustling seriality up City Hall's granite steps night-long cormorant moon. Twenty pairs of black underwear in a super bag be lit with break of dawn's exalt is when media hyperglosses our lives, but not as bad as your mom and dad. And we think of our dreams with their heterodoxy. And did I tell you mine or dream it? The lava-like tar congealing into blue-black bubbles in asphalt. We could pop with each step. 
Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen in the movie of our first date, both so young, all they could do was kick thoughtlessly at the dirt and kill everyone in their wake but us. Spacek's short shorts, her childlike, almost womanlike legs. Sheen's cigarette pack folded back into the sleeve of his T-shirt. We rose, stumbled, found each other's hands up the aisle, pitch dark, and stood before the turn lights turning jade green water. If anoint is a drop of oil on our foreheads, if one by one alteration finds, we toss our hair down a tower for longer arousal. We want to be seen in the eyes of the government. If marriage is empire's locket, we get in bed like students to its sheets, though we hate the acquisition and the light moves. How many instances of unity feel more like bicycles attached to cars? But that was your dream. I get on the bus going nowhere in particular, sit in sun for the warm. The bus heaves sideways before lurching down our street, crowded. It is Wednesday, with the Episcopalians' AA meetings, cars, each shining, obediently parked. Luck, its inexact clarity. Soft as tracing paper, the house lay loose linoleum, carpet, tile, and oak for surfaces to pace, parse, backtrack. If this is the hallway where a savage tiger with stitches mends itself and runs, we cannot occupy it absolutely, ion, eon. If this is the vertigo of another, one song alone, one spinet, many breezes, firmament, and water, the psalm and plasm in the particulars of the jungle where we walk, to see it snow, if we are so angry, if we are so happy, if no eye contact, the wind tears hard at it. Okay. And I will close with a poem that I wrote to God. (laughs) And it's called, Thank You for the Afterlight. The yellow tinged with cyan primal coat, the ginger ale, a mother figure at first all face, the existence that is a continuance and extinction, a malted or smoothie of the brain freeze, long spinal stretch, and ice age of knowing you, creator. Rile and denial of the human animal Buzzsaw and honeybee of our correspondence, I reacted to, not unregretfully. It was carried back, unsigned. I am writing you no more. Often lies run a little backwards in this missive oblivion where synapse thinks it saw a spirit. Equators shiver across to one another, golden tanager and cock of the block roareth in the revolution on the earth's surface. I know moment to moment, half to one-third of all thought is cat vomit, really, in the middle of the night, while it was supposed to be medicinal to eat the grass. 
this bristly prelapsarian keyhole of a hut where my finger lingers as you row by, is that all to perception? You are like privileged Ivy League assessing me. I am another white thing, that little eggshell still stuck on my blouse. I cracked out of you. I see that now. <clears throat> in this rose, in this skirt rose splashed, bereft of aura, I love my tiny part Neanderthal DNA left. Cast off, I go bootless into lyric structures, dumps clear containers. There may have been someone who loved you more than you loved saving. That's how you got on this road, and so disfigured in land, in word, standing like a crucifix on a porch while the cars go by. Where to put last century's threadbare Sunday, dress with arms uplift and begin to strut a bit between star and tar, celestial nest, also like stress, hormone, breathing with high peaks, skeletal sensory to combustible planetarium and interstitial musculature where ceiling angels peel and flake, a weather turned glassy in which you are the shaken narrator bundled up, taking a few trips around the block, running one loose hand over the increasingly familiar hedges. For what have you done that so many run to surround and warm you, a boy and girl so porous with the air? Lunar, earthly, I try very hard to never close the parenthesis on you. It's one way to atone, for perhaps you are just swimming slowly to another scribe waiting sort of perpendicularly in the lake near the shore. Maybe that's what time is under shaded oak trees co-substantiates, the numbers of the house we come to find. All the while, realism's steady message. Someone really loves someone and then doesn't. Someone almost makes out a name. Your sinister math. These fits and starts get chalked, then smudged away into gray, otherworldly cloud on sidewalks, cracked bodice, despite great gusts of pressure. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.